it's only right that on this Easter Sunday, especially if we haven't been able to journey through the events of Holy Week, that we take time to quieten our hearts and minds and reflect on what happened up to Easter Sunday. If we just came in and celebrated Easter Sunday of last Sunday, can I be honest with you? You lose so much of what it's all about. And that's why we make Holy Week such a big thing here in church. And so let's just take time to be still and quiet and reflective. Let's pray together. We would still our hearts, O God, in your presence. We would reflect on all that took place from Palm Sunday till today. We would ponder the Son of God, the Son of Mary, and look upon that cross where he hung and suffered and died. The Lamb of God who came to take away our sins. And we would ponder and give thanks and look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we would recognize that in that crowd and in those who followed Jesus, all of us were there. The seeking, the searching, the believing and confessing, the doubting and the questioning, the wondering and reflecting, the denier, the doubter, the ones who put him to death. We were there when they crucified our Lord. Along with the sheet with the words of the song, at the back of it, you'll see the Bible reading. And we're going to do it as a congregational reading, okay? So I invite you to, if you're able to read along with me. If you find that hard, that's fine. Just sit and listen. There's no problem. But it's good for us to all read God's Word together. And so it's from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 28. And it's going to help us to reflect on this, but we're going to read through that passage together. And so we're going to start at verse 1 of that chapter. Let's read together the word of God. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, 
He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was hearing during the week that AstraZeneca, one of the firms that was involved in producing the vaccine for the COVID-19 virus, um, have, has said that the, the technology which was used for that, because I'm sure we don't necessarily understand, but I'm sure we appreciate that the vaccines, these vaccines were different from the traditional vaccine. Traditional vaccine was you got a wee bit of the bug and it, you hopefully built up your own resistance to it and you fought it off. These were different. I'm not a scientist or a medical scientist, but they, they actually affect these T cells um, genetically in a sense, the R bit of it or whatever. And so they can be quite targeted. And AstraZeneca was saying that they were going to be able to use the technology that had been developed in that to be able to target particular ailments. And so you would get a, 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 a vaccine for something you particularly suffered from or you particularly were ill from, uh, and it would, be, it would be created or modelled to suit you and your circumstances. And of course, that opens up a whole potential for, for people who have various ailments that can be treated with vaccines, obviously other ailments can't, to, to have hope in the midst of sometimes pretty difficult and hopeless situations. Despite all the advances, however, of medicine, and all the comforts and blessings that we enjoy within our own contemporary society, I think what COVID-19 produced, apart from many things, was a, a very real sense within our own society of the fear of dying. Indeed, we've heard from various WhatsApp messages that were released that that fear factor was definitely used in order to encourage us to fall into line and to do the things we were required to do during that time. 
Hands up this morning if you're not frightened of dying. Why are you not frightened of dying, John? Because I put my trust in the Lord. Bless you, brother. I really should just sit down at that point. <laughs> because you see, that is the cure that Easter Sunday and the gospel brings. In a world where there's fears for all sorts of things, and very understandably so. I, I remember my own dad, who was a man of faith. I remember, and I was very moved, it still sticks in my memory. And sometimes when it's your own parents, you kind of, you know, you don't listen so much. But I remember him lying in the bed, and the surgeon had come, the doctor had come, and was going to do various sorts of operations, which were going to leave him with tubes hanging out during those different parts of the body. Because this, he said, unless you have this thing, you will die. I remember my dad said, well, I'm not frightened of death. Just what you said, John. Bless you, brother. But he said, I'm concerned about the process of getting there. <laughs> he said, and I don't fancy having tubes coming out of every hole in my body, so we'll forget about that. But he wasn't afraid of death. Yes, he was concerned, as we all would be, of the process of getting there. But you see, that fear that many in our society have and, and therefore we try and push it away and forget about it and ignore it and you know, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow. Well, they'll never even get a vaccine for death. That fear is fundamental to the story, not just of Easter, but of the Bible. When humanity rebelled against God and thought they could be like God, the very first thing that entered into them after they'd eaten of the tree, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of the tree, was fear. They hid from God. Almost instantly they became aware of their frailty, their fragility, of the fact that they weren't actually like God and therefore they were frightened to meet him. And that fear is inbuilt in our spiritual and emotional DNA. One of the Old Testament prophecies about Christ and about why he came has these verses from Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Stricken crushed punishment but by his wounds we are healed how do we know that Christianity deals with that deepest fear how do we know that Christianity has an answer not only to life but to death how do we know that Christianity is valid is, is something that rightly deserves at best our consideration and our thinking. 
Well, and bless the Archbishop of Canterbury this morning, if you did listen to the Easter Sunday service, he very ably reminded us of the various evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For you see, it's that, that event in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that stands as the fulfillment of all that the prophets spoke about and all the disciples who became the apostles bore witness to, that death could not hold him. That on that cross he did bear the punish, punishment of a holy God for your sins and my sins. He bore and carried our iniquities. And the resurrection, if it's true, is the sign that that treatment for the human condition was successful. The empty tomb. The stories that were made up, which are still, even to this day, even to this day, I mean now, would be passed around about the body being stolen or somehow Jesus reviving and pushing away the stone and, and everything else. The empty tomb. The transformation of the early disciples, the fact that there isn't any body or any grave that people go to. Yes, people go to the garden tomb in Jerusalem nowadays and all the rest of it, but it's not a tomb as you would to go to visit some great hero of the past and, and some great person who had died in previous days. There's no bones, no body, no tomb, because Jesus is alive. And it was that encounter with the risen Christ that the disciples who, like us, doubted and struggled, the disciples who, like us, had failed in so many different ways and had let Jesus down, indeed let one another down, it was as Jesus, in, as the risen Christ, met with those disciples, met with those women who loved him and, and, and who had served him so faithfully as he appeared to them. But even with their doubts and fears, even with their failings, the very real issues that they had in life, they knew that their Redeemer lives. What is a Redeemer? A Redeemer is actually a, it's a term. It was a term in the ancient world which speaks of someone buying back someone. You could redeem your slave from slavery by paying a price, and that person became a free person. It became a child, a member of your family, and therefore enabled to inherit your business or your property or whatever. And that's what God offers in Jesus Christ, redemption. He offers us that ability to be bought out of the reality and the fear of death and all that, that, flow, all that flows from that into the life, not just now, but thereafter. That's not, of course, that Christians don't suffer problems. That's not that Christians don't struggle with things in life. My own dad, my own parents died of cancer. Not very nicely either. I know that. So I'm not sitting here or standing here saying, oh, it's all hunky-dory. In fact, that's wrong. But it's in the reality of these things that the reality of Christ, who's alive, who entered into that place of suffering and sorrow, is the reality of Jesus in the midst of. Did the psalmist not speak of, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, who? I, the shepherd king, will be with you. And over the years as a minister, I've been deeply humbled and deeply encouraged by, yes, somebody like you, brother, 
Not that I hope you're about to pop your clocks. <laughs> but of those who have walked through that valley of the shadow, and not just their final journey to the grave, but through the times of trial, the times of ill health, the times of real struggle in life, the times when there's been pain and hurt, not caused by physical problems, but by family, friends, work, whatever it may be. And as they've journeyed through the valley of the shadow, as they've gone into that dark place, they've known that the Jesus who went into that dark place, who was buried in the tomb and who lay there, in fact, the Apostles' Creed tells us, descended into hell for us. It's that Jesus who comes alongside and says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us, confirms us, that there is a cure for the sin-sick soul. And it's not in taking an earthly vaccine, whatever that may be, and however important or otherwise that may be. It's, as you said, John, by trusting in the Jesus who lived and loved, who died and who rose again. It's so that you and I need not fear the grave. He bore our iniquities. And with his stripes, we are healed our sinful state is dealt with. And although he was broken, in him we can be made alive. Do you believe that this morning, as John does? Bless you, brother. And as others faithfully put up their hand, I was very encouraged this a minute. I've been worse if you're open, certainly with your hands down. <laughs> oh, the Lord has risen. Hallelujah. He has risen indeed and in him and by him we can know that gift of his grace. Amen. Andrew. Uh, hopefully everybody has a bookmark and a pen. And I thought we could just use these to help us think about um, some of your lives that needs to hear the news that Jesus is alive. So... If you want to, you can give the bookmark to somebody you think needs to know that and then maybe write a message to them on the back. Or if you just want to think about somebody you'd like to pray for, you could write a prayer. So either give it to somebody and write a message to them on the back or draw a picture if you don't feel up to writing. Or just write a prayer for somebody you think needs to hear that Jesus is alive. Just a couple of minutes to that.
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. Maybe this morning as we've journeyed through this Easter Sunday service, we did pray at the beginning. We asked, O oh Holy Spirit, that you would come and take Jesus and make him known to us. And I sense that perhaps for some of us, in a very you and fresh way this morning, we're, we're doing that. We're experiencing that. For others of us, we know the Easter story. Perhaps we just need to take time to ponder on the depth and truth of those verses. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you, God, our Father, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Holy Spirit, won't you tell us and teach us more about his wondrous name? Amen.